0: Welcome back to The Swarm Report, week number eight. I am your host, Isaac Streeter. We're still without Neil Little. I've got I've got my good friends Latre Vion, as well as James Fife doing our editing for us this week. But this week, I'm joined by a very special guest, seeing as he is my boss. Uh, I have the former football beat writer and current sports editor, Jack Freeman, with me today to, to talk some spring football. Jack, how you doing?
1: I'm good. How you doing?
0: I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for jumping on the pod with me. I think it's important that we kind of take a look back on the season that they had last year. Jack, you know that team better than anyone. What was the 2022 season like for them?
1: I mean, magical, obviously. Uh, it was like everything went right up until it didn't. They won close games, battled back uh, when they were down. I don't know if they can match that this year just because I think that team was so stacked and like just had everything going right, so I can see them kind of regressing this season. But there's still talent there. There's definitely still talent there, and they'll be competing again. You know, they lost their two starting quarterbacks. I think that's obviously a huge blow. You know, the guys that they've got back there are either transferring in or guys that just saw action in the fourth quarter in blowouts. You know, they weren't, haven't really competed at this level quite yet. And then you lose Cameron Skadaboo on that side of the ball as well. Just a punishing rusher who just felt like whenever they needed a spark, he was there, just consistent, and now that's gone as well. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you lose your star, Marte Mapu, who was kind of a do-it-all um, Nickelback for you, and you're gonna struggle to replace him because he played like two or three positions. He did what what you needed him, and so you're gonna need two or three guys to step up and fill that role. Um, that's really where I see, but I definitely see more of the regression on the offensive side of the ball because that's where they lost a lot of the guys.
0: Well, yeah, looking at this quarterback room, obviously we've we've got those those two returners and Dorian Hale and Caden Bennett who saw a lot of that mop up work, um, but also bringing in a freshman that the two of us have gotten to know um, from a previous podcast we did in, in Carson Conklin, one of the highest recruits in Sac State history, but they've also got another guy on this roster. Do you want to, what do you know about uh, Carson Camp? What, what, what can you tell us about him?
1: He transferred in um, from South Dakota. I think he played two years, so um, this will be his junior season. The most experienced guy on this team by far, uh, I would project him to start just because of that experience. Just in FCS action, he played, started two years at South Dakota and was kind of their guy, you know. He started um, a lot of their games, and now I guess he views Sac State as that next opportunity, and I project him to start. Um, just because with all the offensive turnover, losing kind of your two two real star guys, you know, you still have Marshall Martin, uh, but losing Pierre Williams and Cam Scadaboo to go um, to a guy who's never started before would be a way, like, it would be really rough, um, I feel. And so... Give uh, Carson Camp enough time to learn the system. He'll be the most experienced, and he'll probably start.
0: So you see this team moving away from that that two-quarterback system that's kind of been their marquee the past couple years?
1: Yeah, I would say I move away. I wouldn't be shocked if you saw Caden Bennett get in to run. He's a very talented runner, um, and even Dorian at some point, just to get him experience. Um, but when it comes to throwing, and majority of the time, I think we'll see instead of a 50-50, 80-20 maybe.
0: Well, yeah. Talking about that more, I, I I'm interested to see how this running back room is going to shake out. Obviously, the loss of Cameron Scataboo to Arizona State University is is a huge hit for this team. He he led the team in rushing. He was a Walter Payton Award finalist. But you know, Marcus Fulcher is no slouch in the backfield either. And especially with a guy like Elijah Tautoliver who really came on at the end of the year with that kick return touchdown versus Richmond. Where do you see this running back room? How do you how do you see them carrying the ball this year?
1: It'll be good. I don't see it as being as explosive as last season. You've got Fulch there, who's really good, but hasn't been the number one guy. He's always been the number two guy. And so him stepping into that role, they're going to definitely need to split time between him and Tao Tolliver. But I think Tao Tolliver's is as good as a runner as they've got. Um, he's very talented. He's quick, speedy. We saw him um, on the kick returns last season. So I would say you're going to see a team that was very run-heavy last season lean more into the pass just because that's where a lot of their experience lies. They're going to use camp. A lot of their receivers are going into their junior season. Marshall Martin is still fantastic. He's a senior. So I think you're going to see a team that will lean more pass-heavy than run-heavy.
0: Yeah, well, that receiver room is also going to shake out in in a pretty interesting way, in my opinion. Obviously, you lose Pierre Williams. Marshall Martin is still the tight end, the clear the clear talent in this room. But you get a guy back in Jared Gibson who, you know, entered the transfer portal, chose to come back. Do you think he's going to take on more of that role like Pierre did, where, you know, he's kind of that middle of the field guy? Or is he going to continue to be, you know, your stretch Y guy on the outside?
1: You know, I, I I can't say for sure just because he's very he's, this wide receiver room is very limited. In like they they have the experience, but they're very limited. Um, in what we've seen from them on the field, they really only threw to like three to four main guys last season. Um, and so I'm definitely I think if you're a fan, it's going to be exciting to see them open up. They've got a lot of talent there, but I don't know where everybody fits in just because they were kind of like the third or fourth option a lot of the time.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a team that made their, their bread and butter last year was swing passes to guys like Scataboo and Fulcher. And, you know, just really living on those guys out of the backfield. But switching over to the defensive side of the ball, obviously there's a lot of turnover on the defensive side of the ball with the loss of Marte Mapu. You know, he's kind of that do-it-all guy for you. But, you know, Armand Bailey's coming back. And, you know, what's what's this team look like on the defensive side of the ball? Obviously it's a team, that a unit that kind of struggled. But you know, giving up 66 points to Incarnate Word in that playoff game. But, you know, what's what's the upside look like for this team?
1: You know, that's kind of tough to speculate just because there was a lot of turnover. Like, they lost Prince Washington and Marte Mapu, so you're seeing a lot of that turnover in the secondary. You know, I think it'll be tough to project where that defense is going to be. I think having Andy Thompson take over, you know, he was their defensive coordinator last year. He's going to have a lot more reign to kind of run the team how he wants. A lot of that turnover is in the secondary, and I like a lot of their young guys. Caleb Nelson is a really talented corner. He came on late last year and made some really big plays. They have a sophomore, Jalen Speed, who I think can be really good for them. And then in the middle, having Armand Bailey return is so huge for them. I mean, he really was just a spark and so talented, hard-hitting. The exact guy you want in the middle of the field to be a run-stuffing um, and like hard-hitting linebacker. And so I think he's going to be the anchor as opposed to Mapu this season.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's what's on the field. But obviously, we have to address the elephant in the room. We lose Troy Taylor. We got to address it. What's this coaching staff look like now? What's, how is it structured? You obviously talked about Thompson taking over as the head coach. But below him, what's what's the shakeout of this team now?
1: I think they were really lucky to retain a lot of the guys that they did. They kept on Chris Richardson, who's been their O-line coach. Their O-line has been really good. And keeping him on as an assistant head coach, he was he's been with Troy a lot. And so he'll kind of carry that same consistent voice that I think Troy did. As on the offense, which is what Troy kind of carried, there was no offensive coordinator. It was Troy. They've got Bobby Frescas coming in, who is an experienced quarterbacks coach. He'll be running the offense, and I think that's where it kind of helps having an inexperienced quarterback room is you can kind of mold them into what they are. Like, he's worked so closely with Caden Bennett, Dorian Hale, now with Camp coming in. He can kind of mold that system how he wants because they don't, like, it's all, it's all new to all of them. I will add also that they were able to keep on Cherokee Valera, uh, who's their DB's coach, and he's just been exactly what that team needs. All the players love him. They were able to uh, retain him. That was somebody who we all thought would go to Stanford uh, with Troy. And so being able to keep him on and keep that same consistent voice that these players have heard, I think is going to be so huge for this team.
0: Yeah, well, you know, overall, let's the schedule dropped just a couple weeks ago. I'd, I'd like to take a look at you and get your get your two cents on, on how you think this team shakes out. Obviously, they go 12-0, undefeated regular season last year. We're expecting some regression, some turnover, but you know, opening up the season on the road at Nichols State, what do you think happens? That's a dub. Uh, first home game is versus Texas A&M Commerce. Should be a win, yeah. So we're 2-0 and oh to start, rolling into probably the biggest game on this schedule for them that would be non-conference. Um, they're going to play at Stanford for the third week of the season, obviously facing Troy Taylor and his new squad. What's the outcome there?
1: That's a win, uh, and I believe that just wow. because this team is – fired up about this game I mean it is there were some feelings about how he left and they they want this game more than they want to like win the big sky like this means this is going to mean a lot to those returners so they're going to win this game
0: well I mean obviously Troy Taylor's had so much success in home games in regular season I think he was what 15 and 1 over the past two years at Sac State you think he can carry that on at Stanford or you think his old boys give him a run for his money I'm not acquainted with the Stanford roster, really, so I don't know what they've got, but I can tell you that
1: one squad is going to come in fired up, and Troy's going to have to do a lot of work to get him on the same level as what Sac State's going to be buzzing in with.
0: Yeah, of course. Moving on from there, they're going to be at Idaho, who was a pretty spunky team last year. Uh, we we got a narrow win over them at home. How do you see it shaking out next year? I'll go ahead and give Idaho
1: the win there. I think they have a very talented team. Uh, that coach is done wonders turning
0: them around and Giovanni mccoy is the jerry rice award winner from last year their their quarterback he's a he's a really great young talent yeah and so for those reasons i think you know you're coming off the the high of that
1: stanford win i think they get a reality check in the kibbe
0: dome versus nau at home they'll win that one yeah I, I agree with you there at northern colorado they should win that one as well they're gonna host uh co-big sky champion from last year montana state
1: they're gonna lose that game. Montana State is too talented. They've got too many returners. I mean, this is a team we saw compete for the championship uh last season. I think that's a game where you're gonna see kind of, oh, this isn't the same experienced team as last year.
0: Yeah, that Montana State is just that Montana State team is just a wagon. They run a similar two quarterback offense and both of their guys are just freaks in nature. Um I I believed they would win the national championship last year. They're going to be my pick again this year. That that team is too talented. Moving on, they're going to host Idaho State the next week. That should be a win. They're going to travel to Montana, uh, not Montana State, the Montana Grizzlies on November fourth. That's a you know that was the first nationally televised game in Sac State history. Um, you know that ESPN two game last year narrow win for Sac State in overtime. Obviously, we got the the field storming from from the from the home crowd, Sac State home crowd. But what happens in
1: twenty twenty three in that game? This game is a coin flip. I think similarly to the Sac State-Stanford game, Montana's going to come in fired up because they don't feel like they should have lost that game. Obviously, their fans have made that quite clear on social media. And so they're going to be fired up going into that game. That stadium, you know, Washington Grizzly is going to be rocking. And I just think that Montana's going to have too much for them on the road. They'll Montana will win that game.
0: Versus Cal Poly.
1: Oh, Sac State. Yeah,
0: they'll win that game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cal Poly, um, interesting note, is, however, bringing in a former five-star quarterback recruit from the University of Washington. I'm interested to see how that guy plays out, but he is certainly a, a person that they're bringing in. It'll be interesting to to see how he ends up performing. Versus UC Davis, Causeway Classic is on the road this year. What happens? They'll win that game. Um, make it three, three in a row. Yeah, I'll, I'll,
1: I'll, I'll make it three in a row, and I say that because I think you're going to see a team that is pushing much like, I'd say, 20, 2021, a team that has taken some tough losses to better teams and maybe some slip-ups on the way, but is still in contention for a playoff spot. And I think both of these teams will be the same way, and Sac State will uh, overpower them.
0: So, you know, you're projecting this this team to come in at 8-3 at and three next year. That's that's still good for a playoff spot, right? Obviously, we were the two-seed last year, probably not as high with the 8-3 and three record, but, you know, where do you... You see this team getting in the playoffs?
1: Yeah, I think it depends on how the big sky shakes out. I think if Idaho carries that momentum, you know, they beat Sac State and they're really good, um, you know, that that could be see Sac State end up in fourth. I might see them get a road playoff game, maybe, but there's going to be a lot of contentious debate about them making the playoffs. I'd say you're looking at maybe
0: I would say like a 30 percent chance. Yeah, the Big Sky is going to be as competitive ever as ever really giving the Missouri Valley Football Conference a run for its money uh, in terms of how stacked they are top to bottom these days. Anyway, that's all we've got for you on the Swarm Report this week. Thank you again for tuning in, and be sure to check in with Sac State's spring game on April 22nd at State Hornet on Twitter, at TheStateHornet on Instagram, and at SH underscore sports on Twitter. Thanks, guys.